0: Mana Part 1 You knew Honey Berlinson was going to take the case if she took off the detective's hat. No serious investigator could walk around looking like Sherlock. She told me that when I hired her and she found my mother dead in the grass. Her specialty wasn't lost people, though. It was lost dogs. She didn't have the nose to sniff them out, but she understood their ways. You see, Honey suffered from a rare congenital heart disease, and when she was three years old, her aorta was replaced with one from a greyhound heart. Since she was young, her parents were able to wipe out most of her dog-like ticks. All that remained was her occasional inclination to chase her non-existent tail. She was chasing her tail when Rodolfo arrived at the front lobby of her office. They were old, old friends from the hospital days. Rodolfo also had a greyhound heart. He had a full one. It was a fight for him to get rid of his ticks, but boy, did he fight. The sidewalks of New York City were filled with butts for him to sniff, and he was tired of straining his neck to do so. Still, he gave a little whiff when he passed by Honey's Secretary Waldo to get to her office. She stood still in her tracks with her head cocked back to her tail when he entered. What can I do you for, Dolph? she asked. Still chasing that tail, I see, he said right back. I thought you wouldn't notice. It's the nose, kid, with that butt swirling around, I... You know, I don't mean nothing sexual, right? I know you, Dolph. That nose of yours. You'd be better at this than I claim to be. It only works for butts, hon. You should know that. Sometimes the chase comes down to the tail end, Dolph. Honey sat down behind her desk, weary of her non-existent tail. Dolph sat across from her and crossed his legs to hold in a fart that had been brewing since he downed those black beans for dinner the night before. So as I said, Dolph, what can I do you for? You only come by these days when someone's eating your scraps. Someone took Alfie, he said. You know how much my sister loves that dog. Why didn't she come by herself? She's too broken up about the thing. Besides, we both know you'd rather see my face than hers. How long has he been gone? Just a night. How do you know someone took him and he didn't just run off? He wouldn't get far on three legs. Think for a second, kid. We've got two legs. See how far we've come. We seem to be sitting as far as I can tell. You got any pictures? It's been a while since I've seen Alfie. He might have grown or gotten his hair snipped or another leg removed. What do I know? Dolph reached into his jacket pocket and pulled out a crumpled up picture of Alfie. Honey took it. She told me she thought it was weird that the most recent picture looked so old. Why? The picture's crumpled on account of the fact that I washed it with this jacket. Why'd you wash it and not bring it to the cleaners? Don't ask dumb questions, kid just find the dog. Dolph stood up to go. He let out the fart by accident. Honey could smell it, but said nothing. One last thing. Anything for you, kid, he said, embarrassed about the fart. Who's paying for this? This can't be one last favor. Something smells funny about this whole thing, Dolph. That was me, he said with a smile. Honey laughed. She may have been a grown woman, but her humor wasn't exactly refined. Dolph knew that, too. I'm certain it's exactly why he ate the beans the night before, but it's not like I'm a detective or anything. All right, Dolph, she said. One last favor. Honey tipped off her hat and threw it on top of the coat rack. It landed perfectly, spinning just a little. She had taken many cases and had lots of practice with the trick. Just one last thing, hon. Don't go bothering my sister. If you stop by the apartment, just look around the outskirts. She's too broken up. She doesn't even know I hired you. You didn't hire me, Dolph. This is a favor. You know what I mean. She thinks he's coming back. She can't know you're looking. Dolph, if I didn't know you had that greyhound heart in you, I'd send your ass out of here with a kick. Dolph reached into his bag and pulled out a worn-out teddy bear. He handed it to Honey. She didn't need an explanation for it and he knew it, but he gave one anyway. That's Alfie's. His slobber's all over it. Honey felt the need to chase her tail as she took the toy from Dolph's hands. I sure wish she never took that toy. That toy sealed the deal. Anywho, Rodolpho walked out the office but not without taking one last whiff of her secretary Waldo's bum bum. Honey chased her tail a little before returning to the crumpled picture in the toy. She sniffed the toy knowing all well the smell would do her no good. At least it cleared up the smell of Dolph's fart. Over the course of the next hour, Honey called every rescue, shelter, and pound in town and up to three towns over asking if they had brought in a three-legged dog within the past 72 hours. Two shelters identified a three-legged dog, but only one in Brooklyn was the size of Alfie. She described his shag and composure and asked if he responded to the given name. They said this dog had a collar and his name was Alberto, but they'd be glad to have her adopt him if she was interested in a three-legged dog. Are you sure his name is Alberto? You think Alfie could be short for Alberto? I'm not sure, ma'am, but if you'd like to go get a look, we close in about two hours. Don't you recognize this voice? This is Honey. I'm calling you once a week. Oh, Honey, it's Giacomo. How are you, Honey? I know it's Giacomo. I talked to you last week. Honey hung up and tried calling Dolph, but he didn't pick up. Her only choice was to take the subway to Brooklyn. She hated the subway. It reminded her of a crate full of dogs all rubbing up against each other. People were burping and farting. There was no room to chase your tail. I once saw her chase her tail in the subway and it was a mess. Someone videotaped her and she was placed on a website where people mocked those with greyhound hearts. It hurt her. It really did. It was the only time she considered taking her life, but there were too many dogs to be found. She couldn't leave them running. The shelter was only open for three more minutes when she finally arrived. They brought her to Alberto. He looked nothing like Alfie aside from the three legs. She sat down to pet him, as she figured it could be the last time he was ever pet. This was a kill shelter. How you doing, boy? asked Honey. Alberto looked around. No one was there. He opened his mouth. Don't look for Alfie, he said. What you saying, boy? Don't look for Alfie. Am I hearing you? Of course Alberto had been speaking Spanish and Honey didn't understand a word he was saying. She tried to jot down some notes in her pad of paper, but the tip of her pen was missing. The only thing to do was pat Alberto on the head, stand up, and walk on. She knew that Dolph had told her not to go to his sister's, but his sister's was the next logical place to go. So that's where she went. It was close enough that she only had to walk two hours to get there. There was no way she was going back on the subway. Climbing the 78 floors to Dolph's sister's apartment left her drenched in sweat. She feared the walk was so labor-intensive that her heart might fail her. When she reached room 7, 8, 9, 2, there was a spinning silence. It induced her to chase her tail one last time when she heard the bark of a dog. It had to be Alfie's bark. She might forget a face, but she never forgot a bark. Her hand turned to a fist and she knocked on the door for what must have been a minute straight. Inch by inch, the door tumbled open before Dolph was standing before her. I told you not to come here, he said. What is this? she asked. It was you or me, sweetie. You and me. Someone came up from behind Honey and knocked her on the back of the head until she fell to the ground. Dolph watched with blind eyes as he let out another fart. I can't be sure he really did, but Honey told me something smelled bad as she was passing out. She woke up in a dog crate without food or water, unsure how much time had passed. The place sounded of death, but she could sense other people around her. Maybe not people. Maybe dogs. Something in her heart told her not to make a sound, not even a whimper. There had to be a reason everyone was so quiet. So she rested her head in her hands and listened to her stomach grumble. The sounds reminded her of a date she once went on with a man named Leo. Leo came from a family of hardists, meaning they discriminated against anyone with a greyhound heart. He wasn't like them, though, because his Tourettes gave him weird tics that he never found a way to control. She told me he used to blow out air through his lips until they vibrated up and down like a motorboat. She even told me that one time. No, we shouldn't talk about that. I should just mention that the sound of the motorboat sounded like the rumble of her stomach. And the fact that the sound was there made her feel less alone. They dated for about a year before his family found out about her heart. She went swimming on vacation with his family when her bathing suit top adjusted a little bit to reveal her surgery scar. Leo broke into a screaming match with his family, causing his tics to go out of control. He drove Honey home, but insisted they go on one last date. For whatever reason, he couldn't stop motorboating his lips, and she couldn't stop chasing her tail. They were removed from the restaurant and wandered the streets laughing the hardest I'm sure they ever did, and probably ever would. Seconds became minutes. Minutes became hours. Hours became days. Days became weeks. Weeks became a year. Honey realized he had chosen his family over her. She thought all about this in the crate as she grew thirstier and hungrier. For the first time in ages, she prayed to God that he would release her from her prison or at least give her something to drink and eat. Like rain from a cloud, a bowl of minced chicken and water appeared before her. She prayed that everyone else, if there truly were others, could have some too. She considered howling, calling out, something, anything to know she wasn't alone when the sound of a door slamming open pierced through her ears. The lights turned on. A group of men and women in yellow jumpsuits came around and opened up the crates one by one with crowbars. Hundreds of people all naked with greyhound heart scars stood on their two feet for the first time in a week. I was sort of stuck in my crate, even though I'd lost a good 10 pounds while locked away. Once I jolted my way out, I bumped into the backs of Honey's knees. She almost toppled over. I asked her if she knew what was happening. She told me she had no idea what was going on. But Dolph knew. She just told me she had to find Dolph. Mana Part 1 came to me in a dream just like the red wig. I had the line, he was going to take the case if he took off the detective's hat running through my head. He was going to take the case if he took off the detective's hat. He was going to take the case if he took off the detective's hat. And eventually I sat down and I kind of let this flow out of me. It's a shaggy dog story. A shaggy dog story is any really noir story that kind of rambles on. And it's interesting, but it doesn't really end up going anywhere. Though this kind of goes somewhere because there's a sequel, Mana Part 2. Uh, The next story up, number 26, is called Blondie. It's named after Hitler's dog, Blondie. The story is kind of about Hitler and his dog, Blondie, but not exactly. It's a modern-day twist on it. Uh, I think it's pretty weird and pretty fun and pretty interesting. If you enjoyed Mana Part 1, like I said, Part 2 is coming up pretty soon, but next up is Blondie about Hitler's dog. Thanks for listening. Bye.